0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you have your Bibles today, let's go to Romans chapter one. Awesome. Uh, For those of you with an anointed copy of the Lord's word, it's page 1334. If you don't know what I mean, ignore me. But hold your place there, and we're going to. um, I'm just going to give you some testimony of some stories, and I'm going to share a couple things with you, and then we're going to tie it all together at the end and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, Almost immediately after preaching here in January, Katie and I boarded a plane with our team, and we um, flew to the other side of the world. Um, I'm going to intentionally not say the name of where we went as to not endanger any of our partners there because. The persecution and the anti-conversion laws they face is very, very real. Sometimes I can still smell the smells. If I close my eyes, I can hear the sounds. Every once in a while, I still find one of those little tags they sewed inside my clothing that I left there intentionally to just never forget. We'd been traveling in country there, and we'd been teaching um, and preaching the gospel every day. And uh, I knew in front of us we had a six-kilometer hike to make. And on this particular day, we had to board the van and drive several hours. And I want to tell you about the van because it's a special place. Um, The van is a flat front passenger van. And what they would tell you is that there is a seat of honor in the van. And that seat is the very front seat. And so that particular day, Katie, my wife, was going to ride in the seat of honor for the couple-hour journey. Um, The Lord blessed us in a couple ways. Number one, she just wanted some time alone. Number two, we've been riding together for a long time, side by side, and it was just best for our marriage (laughs) that she sit in the front seat. But we had a several-hour van ride, and part of the way through this van ride, we came upon... This massive festival. How many people would say they know what the West Side Nut Club Fall Festival is? A lot of us. Most of us, right? Um, I would tell you what we came upon was probably eight to ten times larger than that. There were so many people and so many cars and so many motorcycles. And there were carnival rides and games and food booths and It was massive. In this country, they have thousands of gods that they worship, and this particular festival was worshiping one of the particular gods. And there were tons of military presence. They weren't military there or the police there, but their police look a lot different than our police. They're in full military uniforms with automatic rifles strapped to their chests and their dogs. They're walking around. And our van had come to a complete stop. And um, it was gridlock. And I won't say there was a spirit of fear because this team we were with didn't operate that way, but there was a heaviness that settled. And we began to pray. We had been asked to close the curtains down the side of the van. But mind you, My wife was sitting in the very front against the flat front windshield and Katie was wearing her hot pink t-shirt and her bright white smile holding her Bible. You know, Katie, it's just how she rolls, right? And um, our in-country leader comes forward and he says, she asks him, should I move? And he dismisses her and says no and begins to speak to the driver. And after some conversation, he looks at us and says a phrase that I will never forget as long as I live. He says, if we are caught with our Bibles, they will kill us immediately. Then he directed my wife to move. She joined me in the back of that van as we continued to pray. But the phrase, if we are caught with our Bibles, they will kill us immediately. And we didn't just have our Bibles. We had boxes of Bibles converted into their native translation that we were going to evangelize a never before visited village that hadn't heard the gospel. I realized for the first time in my life what actual persecution could look like. I realized that this might actually cost me my life. I began to think about my children and my family. And I began to wonder what story they would tell of us if it really did go down that way. And I'll tell you this, sometimes people say, oh yeah, Matt, it's on the other side of the world. It's not gonna happen here in the United States. Let me tell you something, church. There's a lot of things happening today that the ones that came before us would say would never happen in the United States. Persecution is and will come. We made it um, safely through that gridlock that day, praise Jesus. And we hiked up that mountain. I'm going to say it was a mountain. It felt like a mountain. (laughs) But it was beautiful. We evangelized an entire village that had never heard a gospel message before, and it felt like we prayed for all of them. But I tell you, I came home from that trip much different than when I left. I'd spent quite a bit of time preparing to go change a nation. And what I was never really prepared for is how much that nation would change me. You see, I went to the other side of the world to preach the gospel to anyone and everybody that would listen and preach it. We did. Multiple times a day. And I'm so convicted because I don't know the people's names that live on my own street. I began to ask Holy Spirit to break my heart for the broken. And to use me to evangelize North City. And Carmine where I live. And Mount Carmel. And Carlinville. I began for the ask For the boldness we read about that Peter and John asked for after they were released from prison in Acts 4. It says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hands to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's what I wanted. It's what I still want. FYI, the population of Norris City is 1,138 people. Collectively, they live in a total of 557 homes. Now imagine this if we left when this service was over today and we went out into the street, we could evangelize. And preach the gospel to an entire city in one afternoon. And if just half of them cared to hear what we had to say and decided to come to church on Sunday, we'd have to open our overflow or potentially have a third service. Just think about that. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, I have that math for your cities also. And it would shock you to know those numbers. Listen to me, church. I believe that we can still win our cities to Jesus. I want to tell you a few testimonies that after I began to ask the Lord to break my heart, it was just happened a few weeks ago, and the first one was right here at this four-way stop right outside of our church. As we were driving to church I drove through the four-way stop and pulled into the parking lot. And my my wife, Katie, said, Matt, did you see that man standing there in the orange shirt? And I said, nope. She said, I wonder if he's okay. And I knew in that moment, here's my opportunity. The Lord has given me an open door to say, hey, practice what you preach, man. Stop talking about it. Start being about it, right? And so here I go. I said, babe, I'm going to drop you off right here at the church. Take the kids inside, and I'm going to go check on this guy. So I did. I pulled out of the parking lot. By the time I got to the curb, I could see him clearly, and he was sort of teetering on the curb, looking down. And I pulled up, and I rolled my window down. I said, hey, how you doing? It's a dumb question. The dude's on the side of the road. It's a dumb question. But as he began to speak to me and share his story, my heart truly did begin to break. You see, he was had been working in Mayfield, Kentucky. He got a phone call three days before I met him that said his wife had went into labor. He had used his last few dollars to buy a tent. And he was telling me how he needed to get to see his newborn baby. And I knew the Lord is pressing upon me. I'm taking him. So I said, all right, man, let's go. I'm going to take you. So we gather up his things and his backpack, and he's got some other bags, and we load this tent in the car. and I'm like, man, why do you have a tent? It's a random thing to have. And he told me that his wife and her mother were living in a situation with her stepfather and that he beat them so badly that he had been arrested And that they couldn't go back to that home because it was all in his name. And after she was going to give birth, her and the baby were going to go to a shelter to stay. He didn't have a place to sleep. So he bought a tent to make sure he had a place to stay. Can't make it up. As we traveled, we began talking. And he told me about how they were going to name his son after his brother, who had previously taken his own life. And he shared with me, though, that as he sat on that curb and he watched this church parking lot begin to fill up with people, he felt as if he became so unseen and so irrelevant and so unworthy that he was going to stand up on that curb and he was going to walk out in front of whatever truck or car came by next time and suffer the same fate as his brother. Because he couldn't even get to his kid. He couldn't get to his wife. He couldn't take care of him. And then here's me. How you doing? Right? I was able to speak life into him that day. Was able to feed him. And I was able to, before we parted ways, tell him about my Jesus. And encourage him. And pray with him. And won him to the Lord. Just a few short days after that. I was in Mount Carmel. You see, i had been spending my Wednesdays in Mount Carmel with Pastor Kevin, collaborating on how to evangelize in their city, and the phone rang. Now, Pastor Kevin and I were in a different part of the building when the phone began to ring, and I won't say we were running because I wasn't running, but we were walking quickly to get to the phone. We didn't make it. Luckily, the man on the other end was just desperate enough to leave a message, we were able to call him back and um, he began to share with us that he had leukemia that his wife had left him his parents had died and he had just found out a few days previously that his daughter had been violently raped he shared with us that he was at the end of it all that he couldn't figure out how to keep going He Googled church in Mount Carmel, and Holy Spirit put Pastor Kevin and I on the other end of that phone call. We were able to meet with him in a parking lot, and we spent upwards of an hour encouraging him, telling him about Jesus, and yet there's hope. We won him to the Lord also that day. We were willing to reach him, church, because we were willing to get outside of the box. We were willing to give of ourselves. And listen to me. None of this is about me or what I've done. Can I just be like super transparent with you for a second? Um. I got a week ago today. I was standing in my bathroom at home getting ready to come to church. It was about 10 minutes till 7. My phone rang. It was my dear friend. And it was strange because he would have never called me at that time. There was no reason for him to be calling me. He knows I'm going to church. Like, But I answered, and he's distraught on the other end. I said, Paul, what's wrong? And you see, there was a group of us that were pretty close. Paul and I had a friend named Clint, and we had owned a farm together, and we hunted together for a lot of years. And Paul says, Matt, i got to tell you something. He said, Matt, Clint's dead. See, Clint had died the night before in his sleep of a massive heart attack. Clint was 42 years old. He left behind a daughter who was 15. His wife of 17 years is reeling from loss. She spent two full days last week in What the doctors say is catatonic shock. She can't move. My heart breaks because while in those previous testimonies, I felt pretty good about myself. Clint went to bed on Saturday night. He didn't wake up on Sunday morning, and I can tell you that he was not a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is broken. I spent so much time with him trying to be intellectual or cool, and I wasn't intentional about telling my friend about Jesus. Guys, we went to his funeral, Katie and I, on Friday, and we stood in line for over an hour with 200 people that are just weeping because there's no hope. And in that moment, What I told myself was this. I will never not preach a gospel message if I'm given the opportunity. So that's what I want to talk to you about today also. Benny Hinn was quoted as saying, no one will make hell by accident or heaven by chance. Hell is a choice and there is no in-between. So this is what this is going to look like. We're going to do three things, and this is so simple. We're going to admit that we're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. Romans 6.23 said, For the wages of sin are death. We're going to believe we're going to believe that God sent His Son to earth through the birth of a virgin who lived a perfect 33 and a half years and was crucified on a cruel, angry cross for my sins and for yours. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world." That he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to confess. We're going to declare it with our mouth and believe it in our heart. In 1 John 4.15, he says, when we confess, God abides in you and you in him. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to me, church. You do not have to leave here the same way you came in. If you don't have a personal relationship, with Jesus Christ. And I don't mean if you if you know about him, I mean do you know him? If you can't say you know him. I'm begging you. To not go one more day. I'm begging you that if you don't know, if you go to sleep tonight and you don't wake up in the morning, that you'll be in heaven with King Jesus to make a decision today to follow him. Dino Rizzo is an associate pastor at Church of the Highlands and he wrote a book called Serve Your City. And in that book, he tells a story about when he was a young boy. He tells a story about Show and tell. Instantly, I related to Dino because I was a bad student. Show and tell was my jam. He and his friend Johnny were excited for show and tell. They were both going to bring their GI Joes. The day came. The teacher calls on Johnny and says, are you ready, Johnny? And he says, yes, ma'am, and he goes to the front of the class And he begins to explain to the class, this is his G.I. Joe. It was pristine. It was in the box, collector's edition, never touched by human hands. It was special. The teacher says, Johnny, would you like to pass it around the class so all your friends can see? Johnny says, absolutely not. Nobody's going to touch this. Nobody was really impressed with Johnny's G.I. Joe. The teacher calls on Dino, and she says, Dino, you ready? He said, yes, ma'am, and here comes Dino. He says, this is my G.I. Joe. Man, this thing's got one leg. It's been lit on fire. Come on, y'all know it's been buried in the backyard, It's been tied to a bottle rocket. It's been to war. All the kids passed it around, and they loved it. What's the point? Christianity is not meant to be lived in a box. Far too often, people are just showing up and we seek a feel-good message with three points and a poem and we just check it off for next week. The Christian life is meant to be lived in the real world. In the mud with real people giving them real hope. At some point, As a church, we put more focus on hanging out and creating our exclusive groups and our bubbles and our church buddies rather than getting our church back into actual communities. We've developed this culture that we're just going to wait on the lost to show up and then we'll tell them about Jesus and we stop calling to the lost. Friends, the life of Jesus was filled with healing the sick. And feeding the hungry and caring for the poor. Time after time in scripture, we find Jesus sitting with sinners. And time after time, that sinner's life was changed and saved forever. The gifts of the Spirit are just as alive today as they were then. Amen? In Romans 1.11 It's the first time Paul speaks on impartation. He says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. If you go to Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I believe today is a day for an impartation of an Acts 4 boldness. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at the theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.